we're so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. Yeah, the less we eat, the less violence is being done, and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats, and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Welcome to the Animal Voices Radio Show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, on unceded Coast Salish territories. Today is Friday, February the 14th, 2020. I am your host, Allison Cole, and I am joined here today by my guest co-host, Leah Thompson. Hi. <laughs> and Megan Beatty. Hi. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone, and mm-hmm. welcome to our Valentine's Day show. So, I've been in the mood for good chocolate lately, and when I think of good chocolate, I think of our local vegan, organic, raw, and fair trade brand, Zimt Chocolates, which I have been eating for years now, ever since Emma Smith started her chocolate-making company over a decade ago. Emma's Zimt Chocolate Bars can be found in stores all over Vancouver and both such tantalizing flavors as coconut crisp, salt of the earth, maple smoked salt and rosemary, and peppermint nibbed. On today's show for Valentine's Day, we will speak with chocolatier Emma Smith, who will tell us how she makes her vegan and ethical chocolate, and what we as conscious consumers should know when it comes to choosing our chocolate treats. For our feature interview today, we have top cardiologist and longtime vegan Dr. Joel Kahn on the show to speak to us about secrets for a healthy heart. Dr. Kahn is also known as America's Healthy Heart Doc and is the founder of the Kahn Center for Cardiac Longevity, where he practices holistic lifestyle medicine and is a fervent advocate for the power of nutrition and a whole foods plant-based lifestyle to prevent and reverse heart disease and other lifestyle illnesses. Dr. Khan is a summa cum laude graduate of the University of Michigan School of Medicine and is a professor of medicine at Wayne State University School of Medicine. He has written the books The Whole Heart Solution, Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses, and Vegan Sex. And on today's show, he will be sharing with us his vast knowledge of how we can live happy lives with healthy hearts with the food that we put into our bodies. I met Dr. Khan at a recent talk that he gave in Honolulu, Hawaii last month called The End of Heart Disease and we will also be sharing the video from that talk on YouTube. But today, tune in for our our interview with Dr. Joel Kahn, which starts in about 32 minutes. So let's see what has been happening in our world this past week. Megan, you brought in this (laughs) sweet little darling baby puppy named Maggie last week. We have have, uh, definitely got a picture on our Instagram. I'm going to post some more because we have a new guest today. (laughs) And so first of all, you were fostering Maggie. Um, She was rescued from none of it where they don't have spaying or neutering yeah. mm-hmm. and what a darling little puppy She's so cute yeah did she find a forever home yes 
yes. On um, Monday, she went to her forever home. It's a, they're a wonderful couple, and they uh-huh. live near Trout Lake, so I'll definitely be seeing her again. Oh, that's close yes. to where you are. Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Happy ending to that, or happy beginning to that yes. story. And yes. today you have a new little guest who we I shall know. get some pictures of, right? and her name is Franny. Let me let yeah. us know about that. Um, yeah, I when I make a decision, I just do it I guess love it um yeah the day that Maggie went home to her new home I met Franny and two days later she was at my place and she's she's rescued through Yogi Street Dog Rescue which is the animal rescue that um Erin Ireland talks a lot about and promotes and that's where her dogs are from and Franny and two sisters were found as little puppies on the highway in Jaipur. Oh, so she's from she's India. From India yeah. I've been she's to Jaipur. A, she's a Desi dog. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness! Yeah. I've seen the dogs in India. Mm-hmm. What is? It? What, and she's so friendly. Yeah. How, how old is she now? She's four months. Okay. I believe uh, when she was a puppy, she was teeny. When mm-hmm. I got pictures sent to me, I was like, "Is that her?" Because um, she was <laughs> like like a small, I like see Maggie. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think she'll grow too much bigger, but I still need to do some research around Desi dogs and research around dogs all around because <laughs> it's a brand new thing you're new. a cat person yes yes and a snake person <laughs> <laughs> don't go to megan's house or you might get a surprise no there's no snake there anymore. oh okay <laughs> we're good <laughs> i just want to say i was surprised but yes. anyways that's so great to hear mm-hmm. we do have some more news it's been i think the greatest news of for a while in the past week in animal rights movement, mm-hmm. which was Joaquin Phoenix winning the Academy Award for Best Actor mm-hmm. last week. What do you think of that? Yes, it was great. And yet again, he like this is the third award that he's got, and every speech that he gives is slightly different and mm-hmm. nuanced and like kind of focuses on one uh, certain thing. Uh, but this one sort of like covered everything. I'll just read like this one main chunk of it. He says, I think that we become very disconnected from the natural world and many of us, what we're guilty of is an egocentric worldview. The belief that we're the center of the universe. We go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow and when she gives birth we steal her baby and even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he goes on to talk about obviously the milk industry and all of this kind of stuff. But even before that, I'm sorry, I mixed up my little quotes there. But he he says whether we're talking about gender inequality or racism, queer rights or indigenous rights or animal rights, we're talking about the fight against injustice. We're talking about the fight against the belief that one nation, one people, one race, one gender or one species has the right to dominate, control and use the and exploit another with impunity. And so this like just covering the whole spectrum really stood out for me and you know I think that a lot of folks in the animal rights community here in Vancouver and all over the world kind of just like honed in on the animal rights and animal injustice I sure did Peace. yeah I shed, some, I shed some tears mm-hmm. no it was that. yeah it was great wow. but um, of course for me because I seem to be critically thinking on all of these kind of things that just celebrating that it's a part of this whole list 
you know, that it's a part of everything and to not just focus on the animal rights, but focus on like the whole, like all of these oppressions and as like a whole message and not focus mm-hmm. in on just the one. But it was, yeah, it was incredible. And he, yeah. What, what did you think, Leah? Uh, I thought it was really great. Yeah, I I found it a little bit ironic that people who, you know, claim that talking about intersecting oppressions is infighting mm. would then yeah. share his quote and say, OMG, Joaquin Phoenix, he's talking about, you know, the dairy industry. But it's like, why you, or people reposted him, his speech and then just highlighted the quote about the yeah. dairy industry. It's like, you know, they're they're cherry picking what they like instead mm. of... Instead of saying the whole message was good, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was frustrating to me. Um, and I think Joaquin Phoenix did do a great job of not being a savior because mm-hmm. there was also criticism. Um, There's an article in The Independent by Harriet Hall who said that Joaquin Phoenix was being a white savior and that by talking about animal exploitation, by talking about the dairy industry, he actually, um, you know, failed to, to be a be a good ally or make a good speech. And then Christopher Sebastian, who he's been on the show before, yeah. he, he made a follow-up article to her article saying that, no, actually, the white savior is you, Harriet Hall, not Joaquin Phoenix, because, you know, you are making, you're trying to speak on, on the behalf of, you know, marginalized people, black, queer, trans people, and say that it's offensive to talk about their liberation with animal liberation when in reality to exclude animals is actually offensive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have too much more time to discuss this, but <laughs> yeah. I want to say that I've posted a lot about it on yeah. our Facebook page, yeah. so check that out, yeah, Animal Voices Vancouver, and you can see the speech there yourself as well mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it already. Thank you. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. Today, Friday, February 14th, is the annual Memorial March for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. This march just started at noon at the corner of Main and Hastings and is proceeding down the streets of the downtown east side. If you're free to join, please do so. Tomorrow, February 15th, is World Love for Dolphins Day. There will be an anti-captivity protest hosted by Sea Shepherd Vancouver starting at 11 a.m. at the Vancouver Aquarium. Also tomorrow, noon to 5 p.m., there will be a street mural-making event at 800 Smythe Street, organized by Greenpeace to show solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en. On Wednesday, February 19th, there will be a rally at the intersection of Commercial and Broadway outside of the SkyTrain station from 5 to 7 p.m. We will be demanding an end to the Trans Mountain Pipeline and Coastal Gaslings harassment of Indigenous communities and land defenders. 
Next Sunday, February 23rd, there will be a bake sale at Grandview Park to raise funds for Rasta Animal Sanctuary from 11.30 to 2.30. On the same day, the Vancouver Vegan Feminist Book Club will be meeting for the second time to discuss this month's book, Racism as Zoological Witchcraft, A Guide to Getting Out by AFCO. We hope you can join us at Spartacus Books from 5 to 7 p.m. On the evening of Friday, February 28th, community member Zoe Margaret is hosting a birthday fundraiser at the Juice Truck. Profits from ticket sales, silent auction, food and drinks will go directly to Huggable Rescue and Homes for Hoob Sanctuary. On March 14th, there will be a vegan spring break party to raise funds for the new local organization People Ensuring Animal Care Exists, aka Peace. Also this summer is the Vancouver Vegan Festival on Saturday, July 25th. Megan's got an event. Yes. So let's go, Megan. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly talk about DogWeb, which is the day of giving within arbitrary borders. And what this is, is it started as a response to Context Devoid Canada Day 150 celebrations that ignore marginalized groups and reinforce oppression, colonialism, and many other stigmatized phobias, judgment-based harms inflicted on our fellow humans. DogWeb focuses on giving meals, grooming and personal items, socks and many other useful items to people who should never be without these items for a reason so crass and shameful as not having financial access or socially accessible presentations of struggle or illness. So this coming up one is on Family Day, February 17th on Monday. And basically, yeah, Allison, you and I have been a part of this for, Mm -hmm. uh, this is the ninth one. Yeah, this is coming up three years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and basically David is Mr. from Plant Based Foods gets some volunteers to help him cook up a bunch of vegan meals and package them up and separate all sorts of sundry items and socks and grooming bits. And then we go somewhere down to the downtown east side and we line up and we just have everything in um, the boxes and we just welcome everyone to mm-hmm. help themselves and it's go we along have a pop-up free store. Yes. So what kind of help do we need for this time? Definitely volunteers for Monday when it actually, when the dog web is actually happening. Yes, on Monday, because David needs 10 people to help give out all of these things to these folks. And as well, any funds, money donations are always welcome to help with this. Yeah, and you can go onto our Facebook page, mm-hmm. Animal Voices Vancouver. I've put a post there. I'll pin it to the top that'll give you all the info on how you can help. Thank you so much for that, mm-hmm. Megan. And yeah, if you have any related events, just send us an email at radio animalvoices at gmail.com. Thank you, Franny. <laughs> That's so sweet. So it's Valentine's today, and for our first interview, we have local vegan chocolatier Emma Smith on the show to talk about all things sweet and chocolatey. Emma is the founder of our local vegan, organic, and fair trade company called Zimt Chocolates. You can find Zimt sold at most stores in Vancouver that carry plant-based chocolate, and also now at the new Zimt Chocolate Shop located on Clark Drive in Vancouver. Emma makes chocolate that is good for the planet, good for the animals, and good for your health. And she's here on the show today to delve us into the world of vegan ethical chocolate and how we can be more conscious consumers in our food choices when it comes to choosing decadent treats. Welcome to the Animal Voices Show, Emma, and happy Valentine's Day to you. 
Hey, Allison. We are thrilled to have you on the show today to share with us your wealth of knowledge when it comes to chocolate making and eating. I've known you now for many years since you were a teenager, and I've seen Mm -hmm. how you started this company as a very young person. You kept persevering through it, and to this day, Zimp chocolates are sold in most of the stores that I visit. And you have recently opened up a storefront chocolate shop location, which I can't wait to visit. So Mm -hmm. let's start by telling us about your love for chocolate, which I know you do love and what drove you to start a chocolate making company and what are your core ethics when it comes to making chocolate that is socially responsible okay that's a lot of questions sure but is. I'm going to do my best I'm also first question was I love chocolate why do I love it so much yeah <laughs> I mean I guess I guess the answer to that would be I'm just like a human being you know I'm just a human being who has taste buds and the thing is, is I would like to use my taste buds responsibly. So I basically, like, I I love chocolate. Admittedly, though, I really do love gummies, like gummy candies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the main thing for me, like, with whatever I buy is I want it to be ethically responsible, like, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is, like, vegan is kind of like, the bare minimum for me, right? Like, I, like you know I've been vegan right. for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, and, like, there can't be any animal bits or byproducts in whatever I, I purchase. Um, that, to me, is, like, bare minimum. And the thing goes for Zimt is, like, we don't have any animal products or byproducts in anything we use. Like, even our um, sanitizers here, like our first aid kit, like everything is, is vegan. Um, they figure, you know, if I'm, like, really, I feel very privileged to be able to do this, even though it's hard work and long hours and everything. And I, I really don't want to take advantage of that privilege and, you know, get somewhere off of, you know, others' pain and suffering. <laughs> so that, that's kind of where I come from. Well, and if you check out your website, which I believe is zimpchocolates.com. Yes, it is. Yeah, you you share more about your story there. And it's just, I just love your honesty there about you sharing who you are as an individual and where you're coming from when making this chocolate that you put your heart and soul into. So I don't know if you get in, get this, but over the years, I when I'm having a conversation with someone, sometimes people are really surprised to know that vegan chocolate exists, that is chocolate mm-hmm. without the dairy. And I always say to them, well, of course, like what makes chocolate chocolate is not dairy, it's the cacao. And there is absolutely no need for chocolate to have dairy. What would you say to people who ask how chocolate can be made without baby cow's milk and why is this a preferable option? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I really like how you phrase that, Allison, and that we really need to focus on what makes a product a product and a food a food and what makes it delicious. And for chocolate, absolutely, it's the cacao. And you just, you don't, for anything, you don't need to feel animal secretions to make something taste good, right? Right. Um, so I really like that that you've emphasized that. Um, and, you know, honestly, I guess because we've been in this for so long, to me it's still kind of a bit of a surprise when when people are a little bit, um, I guess, not quite on the same, same wavelength that, yeah, of course, like, I would never think that 
you know, why would chocolate have dairy in it? I, I make the same mistake when it comes to lasagna. You know, like if, if I want to order a lasagna, like let's say I'm on the ferry or somewhere and um, I want to go order a piece of lasagna, I'm, my brain just goes to, of course, it's vegan because I know that's all so possible, right? Like we live in kind of amazing times where it's not only completely delicious, but we live in a place where it's increasingly easy. So yeah, I think, I think just educating folks in a really kind and compassionate way and saying, you know, like this is, this is really what you're looking for. Um, really, it really dispels some myths and gets folks thinking about, you know, maybe even more, more in depth about, you know, what they're choosing to support. Of course. So I read that it's a three-day process for you to make Zimt chocolate, and I'd love to learn more about this. Can you take us through this method of what it takes to, to make one of your Zimt chocolate bars of the many unique flavors that you offer? And can you explain why you do use the ingredients that you use? Yeah, yeah. You know what you read, right? Um, it does take three days to just make the chocolate. So we start with the raw materials, and we start with cocoa nibs, and coconut sugar, we sometimes add maple sugar depending upon the variety we're making. So if we're making our white chocolate or our milk chocolate, those both include maple sugar. And again, like, of course, everything is vegan. Um, mm. So first, all the nibs get pre-ground before they go into, uh, like, a really large churning, like a stone grinder. And that's where the majority of their time is spent is in the stone grinder. Um, and so they'll, they'll be in there for, yeah, sometimes... Uh, three days to be safe. It can get up to be five days depending upon, you know, the timing for when the raw materials are added to the stone grinder. So we pre-grind everything first, except for the cocoa butter that gets added um, towards the end or during the process, depending upon how the chocolate's behaving. <laughs> Sometimes we need to add a little bit earlier on. Mm-hmm. So that, that takes a good chunk of time. It's definitely not easy work. Like it's, it's, it's very heavy work. But, you know, what it reminds me of, because I remember one particular instance last year when I was really, like, I was trying to get through a batch as quickly as possible because I had to be somewhere this afternoon. And it, it's exhausting. And I always think, too, like, this is just one part of that process, right? Like, the whole thing mm-hmm. requires so much effort. The farming that is heavy, heavy work. And uh, like I've actually gotten to go see some of the farms and farmers in Ecuador where we source some of our cacao. And my like, gosh, like the people work so hard. Um and you know, it's very important to me that we never buy anything that's made with slave labor or child labor, right? Like those are also absolute bare minimums for me. Um, also organic because really, like, I know there's, you know, some health benefits perhaps to eating mostly organic, but for me, I really just care about, you know, I don't want to put, um, uh, you know, environmentally damaging pesticides out into the world. I don't want farmers to be exposed to dangerous chemicals. So those those are really guiding principles for me, and that's why we like everything we do is organic and vegan and as fair trade as possible. Because I know like there's a story behind every ingredient. You know, it doesn't just show up. It requires a lot of hard work. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about the Food Empowerment Project's chocolate list. This is a oh, list yeah. that the Food Empowerment Project, a nonprofit organization based in the U.S., who we've had on the show a few times, they put together this list based on the fact that vegan, as you said, is just the start. That's the bare minimum. And then to meet, can you tell us about the criteria that must be met to get on this list, which Zimt Chocolates is on? Yeah, I first of all, big shout out to the Food Empowerment Project. I love them. They're doing some seriously important work. And I know that, you know, while veganism has certainly gained some traction, um, there's so many other aspects to, you know, our, our food choices that um, they're really ahead of the curve on. So a really big shout out to them. Um, so to be on their list, first and foremost, you need to make sure you're not sourcing from a country that notoriously uses child labor and slave labor to harvest cocoa. So unfortunately, that's a lot of countries in West Africa. Yeah, it breaks my heart because there's just the people who harvest, oftentimes they're kids, oftentimes they're sold into it. And all the hard work that inherently goes into harvesting is absolutely not rewarded. Like, people are not treated well. They're in dangerous conditions. They're overworked. So, to be on this list, you can't be sourcing from countries that are notoriously involved in slave labor. So, we get all of our cacao from Ecuador and Peru. And I haven't been to Peru, but I have been to Ecuador two times now. And I've seen, you know, the conditions for the harvesting and the farming. And like I said, it is inherently very, very hard work. Like, I don't think most of us honestly would be capable of, of doing like half days of that sort of work. But, um, but you know, again, at the very least, like people need to be compensated for their hard work and um, they need to work in safe conditions and they need to not be around dangerous chemicals. So I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, we're on that list for the food empowerment project. Um, and I'm thankful that, you know, they've taken the time to to research and, and come up with those criteria for celebrating those organizations that really care about those aspects of, right. of the supply chain. Yeah. And, and people can look up Food Empowerment Project online and just search for the chocolate list to see what other chocolates meet that criteria. Now, mm-hmm. finally, you have a new Zimt chocolate shop. It's located at 1336 Clark Drive here in Vancouver. Mm. So what can we find there? And can you give our listeners an idea of all the different flavored bars and treats that you have to offer at the cafe? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty new cafe. It's a lovely little spot. Um, I'm, I'm so pleased with how it turned out. It's really beautiful. Um, and most importantly, we've got some really fun treats. So I know you know back in the day, Allison, there was not a lot in terms of like vegan establishments, right, where you could just go in and like have a field day. And I remember like this was, oh, this was a long time ago. <laughs> Um, maybe like 13, 14 years ago, heading down to Portland and, and, you know, getting to check out, you know, all vegan establishments like Sea Fight and, uh, CP and all those places and, and just like that feeling when you walk into a place like that or that feeling I had where it's not just that everything's vegan. It's like the heart behind it is also like very compassionate and aware. Um, so that's what I wanted to create when, I started this cafe. Like, I just wanted to create an amazing experience for 
for everybody, but especially for vegans who, you know, we don't always have this, right? Like, it's, it's still something special. And particularly special because, again, of that sentiment behind it. You know, we aren't, we're definitely not a big company. We don't have investors, like, none of that stuff. It's all, like, very heart-strong and pure. And, like, what we do, we do because we believe in it and we love it. And I'm so happy that we can share that with people. And some of that is, you know, having really cool treats out. So we've got, um, you know, a couple of different caramel ganache candy bars in the case that are really, really good. Different caramels. Yeah, ganache truffles. Some really awesome brownies and cookies. we got hot chocolate with coconut whip. And we've got our, like, standard set of bars, which people may have seen around town, like, including the white chocolate, which actually isn't white because we use coconut sugar instead of cane sugar to sweeten because it's more environmentally friendly. And uh, we've got our milk chocolate, which... Honestly, I was never a milk chocolate person, but it's growing on me. And then we've got our dark chocolate. So we've got a few, quite a few different flavors of that and, you know, our macaroons and, and all that and like little box sets and things for, for gifts. So yeah, we've got, we've got a lot going on and drinking chocolate to take home too. Well, I'm definitely going to have to make a trip down there as soon as possible. Thank you, Emma, for coming on the show this very busy Valentine's Day to share with us your knowledge on making and consuming chocolate that is healthy for the planet, the animals, and our bodies. Check out ZimpedChocolates.com and your new chocolate shop at 1336 Clark Drive. Thanks, Emma. Have a great rest of your Valentine's Day. Allison, thank you. You too. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Ciao. You are listening to Animal Voices here on 100.5 FM, Vancouver Co-op Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And now we have some news for you. So I'm just going to read the um, the most recent media statement from the Gidimden Territory, which is... Um, which is a part, which is a clan of the Wet'suwet'en Nation. So it's as of February 12, 2020. Wet'suwet'en camps reoccupied. Heavy RCMP presence is ongoing. Reconciliation is dead. The events of the past week on Wet'suwet'en territories have been an extreme demonstration of colonial violence approved in contravention of Wet'suwet'en Canadian and international law. RCMP arrested 28 land defenders and matriarchs during the enforcement of the interlocutory injunction approved by Justice Church, who also approved the TMX pipeline on February 4, 2020. One person refusing to acknowledge colonial law remains in custody and will be appearing in court on February 21, 2020 in Prince George. Charges are pending as CGL has requested Crown intervention. The rest of the land defenders are to appear before the Supreme Court in Prince George in late April 2020. In response to discretionary, unreasonable and unjustified police action, the BCCLA has launched a policy complaint and public interest investigation aimed at RCMP conduct. The RCMP illegally arrested people encamped outside of the injunction zone and people hiding from officers with assault rifles off the roads mentioned in the injunction. The blatant disregard and disrespect shown by the RCMP to Wet'suwet'en Canadian and international law is now the subject of investigation. While the admittedly illegal exclusion zones have been lifted, there is still an extreme RCMP presence on Wet'suwet'en land. We expect them to heavily guard and facilitate CGL access to unceded territories without free, prior, and informed consent from the hereditary chiefs. The eviction notice to CGL, given on January 4, 2020, still stands and will continue to be enforced with the full power and jurisdiction under Wet'suwet'en law. We encourage all supporters to stand strong in solidarity with the struggle. It is far from over.
So I recommend that you stay up to date on all updates and press releases that are to come. You can check out their website, Unistotin Camp, or on Facebook, you can, this is from the Wet'suwet'en Access Point on Gidimden Territory Facebook page. And yeah, th there's solidarity actions happening, as we mentioned earlier in the mm -hmm. events section. There's lots of Facebook groups where you can, you know, people who are in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en, you can you can find out what's happening near you or you can organize your own solidarity event. Thank you for the news. So for our feature interview today, for Heart Day, we have America's Healthy Heart Doc, Dr. Joel Kahn, on today's show. Dr. Kahn is one of the world's top cardiologists and has treated thousands of acute heart attacks during his career. But he believes that plant-based nutrition is the most powerful source of preventative medicine on the planet. And as a 40-year-plus vegan himself, he now uses non-traditional diagnostic tools, prevention tactics, and nutrition-based recovery protocols at the Khan Longevity Center. Dr. Khan passionately lectures throughout the U.S. about the health benefits of a plant-based anti-aging diet, inspiring a new generation of thought leaders to think scientifically and critically about the body's ability to heal itself through proper nutrition. Dr. Khan is on today's show to speak to us about the power of plants to prevent and reverse heart disease and how to be empowered by positive lifestyle choices when it comes to taking charge of your health. Hello, Dr. Khan. Welcome to the Animal Voices Show. Thank you, and happy Heart Month. Thank you. That's right. So thank you for joining us on our Valentine's Day show today to speak about your specialty, the heart. I really enjoyed listening to your lecture in Hawaii last month entitled The End of Heart Disease, in which you gave an informative and provoking talk exposing the truths of what medical science has to say when you delve into the evidence that correlates nutrition with health. I was also impressed to hear that you have been living the vegan lifestyle for over 40 years now, far before plant-based living was even on anyone's radar really. Can you share with us your vegan story to start and what led you down the path to become a cardiologist? Sure. Cardiologist and vegan were kind of great coincidences that I am so uh, grateful for. I had a little murmur when I was born. Murmurs, a little noise, the doctor hears with their stethoscope. So I was referred to a pediatric cardiologist before I could even talk. Everything turned out fine. I, I never had any real need for advanced anything but i just hung around cardiologists when i was a kid thought the whole thing was pretty cool uh, i liked it best when my cardiologist stopped smoking during my clinic visit so that was <laughs> in the early 1960s yeah. and that's true i have a picture with him and a cigarette in his hand so it got a little uh more pleasant um and you would have asked me at age 12 13 14 15 i would have said i'm going to be one of those love dub guys um the vegan thing uh, was equally sort of serendipity i was Raised in a household, we observed kosher dietary laws. We didn't eat ham. We didn't eat milk and meat together. I showed up at university the first week already in a med school program at a young age. And the only thing in the dormitory that worked that first week was the amazing salad bar. And it was in contrast to all the lifeless beige meat that the uh, food director was able to spend about 50 cents a day on. So it turned out to be a, a really fortuitous thing because I felt great realized that uh, there was a way to sustain oneself without always rushing to the butcher shop. Uh, my parents had gone to the Pritikin Longevity Center around mm -hmm. then, so Mom's meatloaf became a lentil loaf, and between uh, the combination of uh, school and home, 
Uh, that was 1977, and that's where the animal food stopped going in my body. And I learned later on that there actually was, you know, ample medicine and support that just kept growing and growing in number and strength. So uh, it worked out to be a real good fortuitous thing. And I would recommend it to anybody. Well, in being a cardiologist who has done thousands of surgeries on heart attack patients, can you speak about the process that a person's body has to go through in his or her lifetime to get to the point where they are facing having their chest cracked open to save their lives? Now, I read about the study that showed that autopsies done on soldiers in World War II found these young 18-year-old men to already have signs of heart disease in their bodies. Shocking to read the first time. I've even read that even very early signs of heart disease have been detected in children as young as 10 years old. So it does seem like this is a lifetime of deterioration in the heart that builds up slowly and gradually and shouldn't be happening. But can you explain to us how this does happen? Yeah, and first of all, and you're absolutely right with a lot of the statistics you just quoted, um, it's not our inevitable fate that we will develop clogged arteries. We're all born with totally clean arteries. Atherosclerosis, atherosclerosis is always a progressive deterioration that can show up by age 10, by age 18, by age 28, uh, unfortunately, but it never starts that way. There are genetic factors. There are people that just have a disadvantage in terms of their cholesterol, uh, something called their lipoprotein, little a blood level. There are people that develop type 1 diabetes, no fault of theirs, and have to have the challenges of blood sugar control. But for the majority of us, for 80% plus, it's not genetics predominantly. It's not predominantly uh, other factors out of our control. It's factors we don't realize that are in our control. And Every study in the world says at least three habits. Do you smoke? Do you have a fitness protocol? And do you eat predominantly whole food plants or do you eat predominantly processed high sugar, high salt, high animal food choices will determine if you develop clogged arteries or not. We can add a good night's sleep. Uh, we can add maintaining a thin waistline. These are some of the good dental health, good oral health, are some of the newer measures that we can all do to maintain good heart health. But if we simply don't smoke, eat our broccoli, and get fitness, we're about 85% likely not to develop clogged arteries to the point of a heart attack. But yeah, it goes on for 10 or 20 years before it's ever detected in the medical system. We have to do better. We have to prevent it better. Exactly, and that's what you do at your clinic. Our co-host Megan here has a question for you. Sure. Hi. When you take patients into your clinic, what would a patient expect to experience when seeing you versus seeing a standard practicing cardiologist in North America? And do you have any incredible stories of transformation that you can share with us? Yes, absolutely, and thank you for asking that. And I was a standard cardiologist Mm. for decades, um, and it was both the time and the knowledge. A 15-minute appointment mainly focused on their medications, any recent procedures, and such. With me now, it's at least an hour. We know what's breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, what time do you start to eat, what time do you stop to eat, what's your gym routine, how often are you doing it, quality of your sleep your dental care, your history of root canals and fillings and such, stress levels, relationships, social support, um, and uh, any prior testing you had. Um, and then we, after a very exhaustive questioning and understanding, I know, the, I know the name of the pets, I know the name of the children and where they live and such, because uh, it, is, it is relevant. I mean, the people you hang around with 
often are the habits you adopt even more than necessarily what you grew up with. So your social sphere is very important, kind of a blue zones concept. But it is possible in anybody who says, I don't have any known heart disease, to do a simple ultrasound of the carotid arteries in the neck or a simple CT scan of the chest where the heart's located. And on the next visit, I can actually describe to them great news, uh, whether good luck or good planning, you have not developed any atherosclerosis or, unfortunately, you have the process developing. It's about 50-50 in my practice. Uh, we have to start really focusing and slowing this down. So 10 years from now, you aren't a statistic. Very often, there has to be some extra blood work, not just your blood sugar, your blood cholesterol, and measuring your blood pressure, but some measures of inflammation. And plant-based diets are very anti-inflammatory, so usually those labs come up pretty good in people that are eating their salads and their sweet potatoes and uh, their cauliflower. And uh, some genetic cholesterols like this one I mentioned called lipoprotein little a. And then we put it all together and we teach a little lifestyle. You know, you've got to get a little fitness in, got to get your diet upgraded. Uh, watching Forks Over Knives on Netflix remains one of the most compelling educational processes. The Game Changers, What the Health, those three movies uh, on, you know, the TV can change a person's life. So, yes. Uh, I'm thinking about a very nice man named Adam, uh, worked for Ford Motor um, in his mid-50s. He had an autoimmune disease and subsequently also developed clogged arteries, stents. Uh, they were talking about bypass. He came to me about two years ago, and I just saw him about a week ago, which is why he's in my mind. A complete transformation. What's interesting is he never had the bypass. He's Used to get chest pain during exercise. He's completely asymptomatic, and he's crushing it. He, I remember this. He's swinging kettlebells that are like 80 pounds. He's not that big a guy. It, this is a lot of workout he's doing. But his autoimmune disease has regressed tremendously. His actual joint pain, joint swelling, and, and this is all from the same program. You change the diet to mm-hmm. so a whole food, plant-based, brightly colored rainbow choice. You watch the added sugars, added salt, and added oils. You can not only beat the heart disease rap, but you might just see your blood pressure, your diabetes, your sexual dysfunction, your autoimmune disease improve or actually regress. So hooray for Adam. Great story. In your lecture in Hawaii, you spoke about the obstacles of a patient going through the standard Western medical system, which unfortunately is tied up in a bureaucracy that prioritizes time and dollars in the healthcare system over understanding the underlying issues of a patient and treating the source rather than simply prescribing a quick medication in the time allotted. As you mentioned, a quick 15 minutes is really not enough time. Our system is not set up to provide this time and care needed for holistic medicine unless someone's lucky enough to be able to go to your clinic but this creates a cycle of a lot of sick people who could get better simply through this education and support i wonder if you could speak on this issue and how you see a way of breaking through this stuck system in which people can be more empowered to be their own health advocates right and i don't speak really as a radical the interesting thing is the Lifestyle programs that were innovated by Dr. Dean Ornish that you could stop and reverse heart disease. And his studies began as early as 1983. The work of Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn at the Cleveland Clinic, same findings, Mr. Nathan Pritikin at the Pritikin Longevity Center. These have all actually been endorsed and approved by our insurance companies like Medicare and Blue Cross that they will pay patients to avoid bypass 
and improve their health if they will find and get into one of these programs called a Ornish Intensive Cardiac Rehab or Pritikin Intensive Cardiac Rehab. So when I teach this lifestyle based on whole food plant diets, it's not like I'm out on the fringe. It is actually accepted by mainstream insurance companies, which is very difficult, but it's not recommended. I'm one of the you know, relatively few cardiologists that know where these programs are and let patients know. So that's one resource. Secondly, in November 2019, the most expensive cardiology trial ever done, called the ischemia trial, $100 million study, took very sick heart patients, and either they went to get a stent or a bypass right away, or they were taught how to eat well, exercise, and take proper medication and when the study results were announced in November, there was no difference in the major outcomes, like are you alive, are you free of hospitalizations and such. Again, it's not actually out of the norm. You don't have to be a holistic cardiologist. You just have to actually apply all these scientific-based teachings. The problem is we actually applied them. Hospitals would suddenly be half empty. Operating rooms would be half empty, and simply no system is willing to take that on at the present time. It's going to take, you know, radical change from insurance companies, from providers. I look to a big system maybe like Kaiser in California that controls all the care of their patients. They employ the surgeons and the cardiologists and the exercise team. If they could ramp up the preventive program, and they're doing a pretty good job, and ramp down some of this invasive stuff, it would be the first example of really early adoption of this great and new science. And some of it's not so early adoption when we say 1983. Yes, patients can read quality books, books by Dr. Dean Ornish, books by Dr. Esselstyn, books by Dr. Joel mm -hmm. Furman. My book, The Plant-Based Solution, would not be a bad resource. People can watch the Netflix movies. They can listen to the proper YouTubes that are out there for free by some of these doctors. I mean, I literally work with patients that would have bypass in a week, but they're willing to make this massive lifestyle change and avoid open heart surgery. It's challenging work for the patient and for me and for the medical team. But, you know, uh, if people will dig in deep, they can find some resources and manage a lot of their care. Now, don't stop your medications without your medical team and always try and work with a provider. But the body does literally have the ability to heal of itself of so many maladies when you take away the insults and put in the healing therapy, which is food and more. It's not just food, but it clearly starts with food. Absolutely. Megan has another question for you, Dr. Khan. Yes, mm -hmm. I do. Um, so it's Valentine's Day today, as you know, and we you've actually co-authored a book called Vegan Sex. Dump your meds and jump in bed. Woohoo is right. Great title. You say that frequent sexual intercourse is associated with reduced heart attack risk. Can you tell us more about this and your prescription to have lots of sex? Yes, we can talk about that because, again, it's humanity and it's real people and it's science and it's relationships. And we don't need to whisper about it. But there actually are, you know, just a few tidbits of science. There's a uh, ongoing study in Wales, part of the United Kingdom, where long ago they asked men, they never asked women, how frequently do you engage in sex with your partner? And then they tracked these apparently healthy men for 20-plus years. And just like a straight line, the more times per month you say, I have sexual activity, the more freedom you had from developing heart attacks down the road. The magic number in that study was, 
eight times a month or more, 100 times a year or more, you dropped your risk of heart attack by more than 50% compared to the people that had infrequent sexual uh, intercourse and such. And that's like the most powerful medication we have out there, Um, a good, solid relationship good ability to be physically active and flexible is a very good thing. We actually also know in the world of prostate health that even more frequent activity in the sexual arena can uh, have an impact on uh, maintaining prostate health and avoiding prostate cancer. Now, we don't have lots of studies in women. They're just not been the focus of some of the same kind of long-term follow-up, but there's no reason to believe it isn't the same. I mean, relationships and social support, love and kindness, are going to be uh, gender neutral, of course. Um, you know, the other clue is that, again, unfortunately, more in men, the science, is that the development of either low libido or inability to get erections and have sex is a very serious warning that might be uh, clogged heart arteries. So the traditional medical model is here's your prescription for Viagra. The real medical model should be your diet stinks, you're not exercising, you're overweight, your blood pressure's up, your labs are terrible, and you might be on your way to a heart attack in a couple years. Thank goodness you developed this sign of distress, and let's work on restoring you to better health. And while you do that, you're probably going to improve your sexual abilities and maybe just extend your life also. Excellent advice for our listeners. Frequent sexual intercourse for Valentine's Day and beyond. So, Dr. Khan, I know you are a foodie yourself. You love food, as do I. You love it so much that you actually opened a vegan restaurant in Detroit, Michigan, called the Green Space Cafe. Can you tell us about the food that you like to eat and some of the food that you serve at your Whole Foods plant-based restaurant? Yes, and you're absolutely right, and it's those key words. Um, there's so many options now. We can do fake sausage and fake burgers and fake fish and fake tuna uh, and such, and many of them are nearly as uh, rich in salt, oil, sugar, and sometimes chemicals, preservatives, and additives that they're on par with the middle of the grocery store that most of America is eating in, and we know how well that health equation works. So you really have to gravitate to whole foods. I mean, sweet potatoes and arugula and brown rice and quinoa um, and uh, lemons and oranges and spices from all around the world. So that's what we feature. We have many bowls with, uh, you know, we don't use the word what protein do you want on your bowl, but there'll be avocados or tempeh or walnuts or occasionally some tofu. Um, You know, there will be delicious soups full of rich uh, grains and vegetables. We love breakfast. Uh, It's not just the oatmeal bar, which is always popular, but we actually do groats. Groats are even a more um, close-to-nature form of oats, and they're even more packed with nutrients, and they've become very popular along with smoothies full of hemp and turmeric, and it's just lovely eating uh, that anybody would enjoy. And that's always great if somebody else makes it for you. You're making me hungry, Dr. Khan. <laughs> Thank you for Yay. that description. And and I sure hope I get to visit your restaurant one day. It looks amazing. So thank you, Dr. Joel Khan, for coming on Valentine's Day on our show today to speak about the secrets of heart health and the role of nutrition and lifestyle in preventing and reversing heart disease and other lifestyle diseases. It was a pleasure to meet you in Hawaii, Dr. Khan, and thank you for taking this time today. You can find out more about Dr. Khan's work at Dr. Joel Khan, that's K-A-H-N, and soon see the video of his 
informative Hawaii presentation on the end of heart disease at animalvoices.org. Thank you, Dr. Khan, and enjoy your Valentine's Day today. You have a wonderful and sexy day, too. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Animal Voices radio show on 100.5 FM Co-op Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on unceded Coast Salish territories. Please join us for next week's show on Friday, February the 21st. We here at the Animal Voices show modestly ask you to keep connected with Animal Voices via the World Wide Web. Our past shows can be listened to on our website at animalvoices.org. Our past podcasts are also available on iTunes and Google Play. Join our Facebook page and join us on Instagram, both at Animal Voices Vancouver. Did you know that Animal Voices, as well as all the shows on Vancouver Co-op Radio, are entirely volunteer-run? We need your help. If you have any expertise or aptitude in computer skills such as WordPress, audio and video editing, research and writing, and social media, we would love to hear from you. You need not to be located in Vancouver. Please send Allison an email at info at animalvoices.org and we will get back to you. To close the show, we are leaving you with Stacey Q's song, Two of Hearts, for Valentine's Day. Radio EcoShock is being preempted today, and next up is a one-hour special update program on the Wet'suwet'en Action by Co-op Radio host Ganarji O'Sullivan. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today, and remember to be kind to the animals.
no sweets, only ripe vegetables, fresh fruit and whole wheat. I'm from the old school, my household smell like soul food, bruh. Curry falafel, barbecue tofu, no fish though, no candy bars, no cigarettes, only ganja, fresh squeezed juice from oranges. Exercising daily to stay healthy, and I rarely drink water out the tap cause it's filthy. Lentil soup is mental fruit and ginger root is good for the youths. Fresh vegetable with them Italian stew. Sweet yam fries with the green callaloo. Careful how you season and prepare your foods. Cause you don't wanna lose vitamins and minerals. And that's the jewel. Life brings life, it's valuable. So I eat what come from the ground, it's natural. Let your food be your medicine, no accelerant. Strictly herb generates from the sun. Cause I got melanin and drink water. Eight glasses a day. Cause that's what they say. <laughs> they say you are what you eat. So I strive to eat healthy. My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy. Cause true wealth comes from good health and wise ways. We gotta start taking better care of ourselves. They say you are what you eat. So I strive to eat healthy. My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy. Cause true wealth comes from good health and wise ways. We gotta start taking better care of ourselves. Be healthy, y'all. Ever since I've been a vegan, it's been like a broken record, an irritating soundbite, looping round and round forever. Where do you, where do you, where do you get your protein? Where do you get, where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Whoa, where do you get your protein? Tell me where. Apples are 2% protein, bananas are 5% protein, oranges are 8% protein, and tomatoes are 19% protein. Where do, you, where, do you, where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Lettuce, 36% protein, spinach is 50% protein, potatoes are 18% protein. Where do you where do you get your protein? 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 While keeping our arteries clean Broccoli's got a big 3-3 three, 33% three. Lentils have got a big 3-4 34% Soybeans got the big 3-5 And the main thing is I'm alive I'm a vegan and I'm actually still alive OMG, LOL, WTF where, 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 where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Where do you get the protein? Where do you get your 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 protein? Tell me where. Shrooms, shrooms, mush, mush. Shrooms, shrooms, mush, mush. What about mushrooms, fun guy? Mushrooms contain as portion of total calories. 56% protein. And in case you want to know about meat, the animal flesh that some people eat, well, beef can contain up to 40% protein. Way less than a kidney bean! Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? 
I've had enough.